Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for supporting, for listening, for sharing. Thank y'all so much. Today, I'm so excited because I have a wonderful interview to share with y'all. This is an interview I had with my friend Kim. This is actually before um, COVID-19. So we were actually able to meet face-to-face and have a sit-down conversation about what it means to be a Black woman in music. Um, She's a singer-songwriter, a minister, and we talk about everything in this episode from being a unicorn amidst horses. We talk about um, being creative. We talk about the weight and the heaviness that comes with being a Black woman in creative and even religious spaces. And we talk about trauma that she's experienced within the church, how she's come out of it, how she's becoming free, how she's learning every day to take care of herself. Um, And we just talk about so much more. This episode is just power packed with just like amazingness. Um, I just want to shout out, Kim, thank you so much for um, lending your story, lending your time, um, your encouragement to other people as well. Um, you re-listening to this episode definitely re-inspired me. It reignited me. It made me feel like I wasn't alone. And I'm sure that you'll get the same feeling here. Um, I love Kim so much. I appreciate you so much for doing this. And without further ado, y'all, here's my interview with the amazing, the talented, fearless and free Kimberly Williams. I should also mention that at the end of this episode, I'm going to actually be playing a song of hers, a cover that she did of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Now, the song came out last um, last Christmas, but it's still relevant today. It's still amazing, and you should definitely check it out. So it'll be at the end of the episode. And at the beginning of the episode, you'll see that that um, we actually just kind of jump into conversation. The recording starts mid-conversation, and um, you'll get a taste of who Kimberly actually is. So check it out. So there's this whole thing about how, like, when shoes first came into play, because, like, we used to not wear shoes, our feet were feet. Mm-hmm. So grounding is when you put bare skin to soil or mm-hmm. grass, and it actually has healing okay. I like components, doing that. Yeah. which is actually, it's, like, a legit thing, because, like, your equilibrium, like, that's mm-hmm. why they tell you when you go to a new place, you're supposed to put your feet in the bare grass, because then your body will shift to their time zone it's a whole it's a whole thing and it's been proven like scientifically so it is a thing yeah but people just don't really do it yeah yeah. so but hippie people and like (coughs) vegans do so i've done a couple of times and it's so healing because all of a sudden the something in well the dirt of course has minerals and your feet your skin absorbs minerals Mm -hmm. anyway Mm -hmm. so there's that but then something about it is really really healing so you're supposed to do it um, for five minutes a day or something, you're supposed to do some grounding. I would do that. Um, I really so. believe there's a connection with like God and earth. Mm-hmm. Like we were out in the mm-hmm. earth, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, all right. You ready? Yes. So thanks so much for doing this interview. So excited. <laughs> I'm excited too. Um, all right. So this is just going to be a conversation. It's no pressure. Okay. It's just going to be fun. Okay. Well, hopefully it's going to be fun, but. Yeah. So I guess the first question we can start with is, who are you? Who is Kimberly? Kimberly is. How can I ask? Is it like an open-ended question? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, I always say, I always start by defining myself as a PK, a black female PK in a white world. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm a church girl, pastor's kid, mm-hmm. church planting kid um and we were the black family in the multicultural church plants in the 90s okay so basically we were the one black family in the it was like one black family one asian american family i think korean american 
And then one white family and they were like, go be reconcilers. So um, I always, I guess I always say I'm a PK because it shaped my life. Because most of my life, even though I'm a black woman, my first black friends were in college. So a lot of being a PK and my dad following God's call in his life has shaped how I grew up Mm -hmm. um, and like my whole perspective. So I think being a pastor's kid is huge. But I'm also a creative and... uh, I don't know, a reconciler, a bridge builder, um, a musician, an artist, a cat lover, I'm obsessed with cats, <laughs> and a unicorn enthusiast. I believe that unicorns are real, and I have a whole theology on unicorns. Okay. What so. is theology? <laughs> or just a piece of it. So for me, I think unicorns have wings. Okay. Okay. So one, I think unicorns exist. Okay. I think that I will have one in heaven. Okay. Um, I think that, um, the unicorn represents the Holy Spirit and it's a mysticism. Like that is a thing that's like been studied. And even if you talk about, like, there's some verses in the Bible where some of the beasts Mm. are considered unicorns Mm. and they're, they are like the rambunctious beasts that surround the throne of God. So, but can I prove that? No. Did I go to (laughs) seminary? Yes. So it's kind of like, um, so if God was like, nah, you made all that up, I'd be like, okay, it's, it's cool. Okay. Right. <laughs> um, but I just love unicorns. I also love that they're mystical creatures and they can be whatever you mm-hmm. desire them to be and they can change into whatever I didn't know that you either. desire for them to okay. change into. My unicorn has wings. I believe that unicorns have wings. Some people say that's a Pegasus. That is a lie. <laughs> Pegasus also have wings, but unicorns can also have wings because unicorns can be anything. Okay. So why would unicorns... Why they have wings? Yeah. That just doesn't make sense. <laughs> I think my unicorn is also translucent. Okay. And um, I don't know if it's like iridescent or like, but like, like when you blow into a bubble, okay. mm. you see like blue and silver and pink. Yeah. That's how my unicorn looks, but it's also translucent. So you can see completely in it, mm-hmm. but it can also look like everything around it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe that I'm a unicorn in most of the places that I go. Okay. Unicorn in a room full of horses. It's just the truth. Wow. And my wings get in the way. My horn gets in the way. Um, yeah. So, but Let's I talk about sometimes that, I tuck my wings so that no mm-hmm. one can see them. Yeah. Um, but they're there. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's so many things. Sometimes I get made fun of because my horn is so apparent. Um, but it's like my best feature. So like, I just, I have a hope. It's a whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, I love unicorns. (laughs) And I think that my cat will be in heaven with me, but that's a whole nother thing. Because I think that God sent me a therapy cat, and I think that it could potentially have dare I say the spirit of one of my animals in heaven? So that's just, it's, it'll, it'll, I'll keep going. It'll just bring it back. But also if all these things are not true and God's like, you suck, then it'll be fine. Why it'll would he be fine. No, say that? He'd be like, you made that up, but it's cute. It's fine. Um, I really like that though. When you're yeah. talking about how you feel like you're a unicorn in a room of ho- full of horses. Mm-hmm. Like, so in what spaces do you feel like that? Everywhere. Okay. The only place I don't feel that way I guess I would say everywhere. Mm-hmm. I think everywhere. The only place I feel safe to be that, though, is probably my marriage, which I think right. is crucial because I 
had never planned on getting married, but I'm so glad that mm. God sent me Cameron because yeah. he's the best husband. I, I mean, he's ever like he's a horse that realized I was a unicorn and then went out and made really raggedy wings and put them on so I could feel <laughs> like I wasn't by myself. Oh my so God. that's, you know, I love him so much. He's the best. Um, and then sometimes when my horn gets in the way, he'll just like, he knows how to duck out of the way so I could still be myself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but he's still a horse. Yeah. That's a- so what does it mean? Like, what is the difference to you between like being a unicorn and being a horse? I think, um, I guess I would say horses are, not because horses are also not ordinary they're unique like like kind of like zebras like Mm -hmm. there isn't one zebra with the same stripe but I think horses to me resemble fascinating and uniquely different people but who have all decided to conform Mm -hmm. to a general idea of what being a horse is and unicorns are in the horse family but they're not Mm -hmm. a horse is not the title horse doesn't can like contain them into that being their only thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's like horses can, there are certain things that horses do or that horses should do. Unicorns can do that, but they also lean into the other things that they can also do that are go beyond what they're expected to do or, or even what they were on the surface created to do. I just feel like, yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's no, no, yeah. <laughs> it does answer the question. So I'm just like, oh, unicorn. And um, uh, I feel like unicorns are also not afraid to live into their weaknesses or their mm. abnormalities. Mm. And horses are. Like, they don't even want to discover them. Mm. And I think, yeah, my wings get in the way a lot, but I can fly. Mm-hmm. You know, so. I think that's beautiful. That's like, yeah, I love it so much. I want to get a unicorn tattoo so bad, but I'm afraid that God will hate me if I get a tattoo. So. What? <laughs> this idea that God so I'm just would like, hate I have this, you. I have this, I'm like, oh God. I'm like, oh yeah, I have this whole theory. I have this whole theology on unicorns, which is not heresy, but apparently getting a tattoo is so weird. No. Um, no, I don't know. I'm a little legalistic and I think that's because of my PK roots, mm-hmm. but. Um, and because I'm a classically trained clarinetist. So like before I did any kind of like, um, worship or even vocal music, which I swore off mm. as a young age because of trauma, which is a whole nother story. Mm-hmm. But, um, I think when you learn classical music, it's all about the box. Okay. So like, I remember I wanted to do jazz and my teacher was like, great. After your third year, like after mm. you learn all of like Mozart and Beethoven, after you learn your scales, after you learn the rules, then you can break out of the box. Mm-hmm. And so you're always aware that a box exists. Yeah, yeah. So I think like, and also like just with church where I knew what it was supposed to be, but I always knew what my dad's heart was. And then now my heart mm-hmm. is for it to be like, I knew that in the nineties or even now, like church is still segregated between like race and class yeah. and custom. Yeah. But I know that God sees outside of those boxes to this like revelation church where it's like every nation, tribe and tongue, mm-hmm. but I'm aware of the box mm-hmm. and it's hard to not be aware of the box. And I feel like the courageous times are when you're just like, screw the box <laughs> but I'm always like oh but there is a box and there's mm. people who think the box is it yeah and most of them are the people that I work with or I love yeah. or I lead and so do you think the box can be like imprisoning 
Oh, it's extremely imprisoning. Um, The box is like, the box is like the law, which is legalistic, Mm -hmm. but the law is also given from God. Mm -hmm. So like, and the Bible says that nothing can be added or taken away from it. Mm -hmm. So it's like, yay, Cleo. (laughs) So it's kind of like, we can't, the box is suffocating, but we also can't demonize the box because the box is actually there to create a foundation of structure. So it's just like this love-hate relationship. But yeah, it's definitely... Definitely a prison sometimes. Yeah. yeah. You mentioned before that you're a reconciler. What does that mean? Um, <laughs> I'm someone who believes that God has a plan for everything that was broken to be restored. So for in my context, um, I try to do that specifically with like race and class and race and class within the kingdom of God and outside of the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I also am like, I just also have this theory that, I don't know if it's a theory, but I also believe that like, he, like physical healing or like the miracles of the Bible can still be happening. For sure, yeah. We just don't have, I don't know if it's that we don't have the faith enough to, we either don't have the faith enough to believe it or we don't create the spaces for it to happen yeah. um, or we don't set ourselves apart in order for those things to happen so it's either like this kind comes out with fasting and prayer and like you can't just be like out here doing whatever and then like try to you know and not in a legalistic way but in just a like I can't expect to lose 30 pounds and eat donuts every day like it's (laughs) like I'm like it's not being legalistic it's just the facts of like there are some things where like if I want to be like healed from depression I can't go to my same Mm -hmm. vices I have to yeah either try like legit try Jesus or not. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But and Jesus and Jesus plus counseling. Yeah. Um, yes. Cause you can have both. Cause you can have both. Um, and I almost feel like that's the way that it was intended from the jump. Yeah. But um, so that, and then I just had a thought about, I was like, dang, what it, like, okay, this is my thought. I'm just going to go down my rabbit trail. Okay. Even especially with the Jesus and counseling because whenever I think about the people that God healed in the Bible they always were surrounded by community and I feel like that was the counseling so I feel like what happens now is like we want to be healed and we just like google a church and we go by ourselves Mm -hmm. and we don't create community and we just want God to heal us but like the guy who was healed on the mat he was was lowered down by his friends and it's like it was the faith of his friends that actually healed him so it's just like just so many things that like without community whether that be a counselor like whether it could be a community that you pay for or yeah. a community <laughs> that you have like it's yeah. impossible yeah. for healing to happen outside of relationship yeah. which makes sense but anyway yeah. um so i feel like i'm a reconciler in that regard but uh of like race and class and the kingdom of god mm-hmm. but then also really desiring for people to be healed and for anything that's broken to be restored yeah. so yeah i think um, especially when it comes, I mean, race is a big thing because I feel like racial reconciliation has marked my life. Yeah. Um, but I just, I want people to be reconciled with each other so that we can also be reconciled to God, which yeah. I think is a big thing. Yeah. And I'm not only an extrovert, but I just love people. And I, I've even been, there have even been times where I've felt physically sick mm-hmm. and I've decided to surround myself with people and I've felt physically better. Mm-hmm. So I just feel like it's like 
reconciliation, if we were to open our eyes, is like low hanging fruit yeah. that we could just pick if we desired yeah. it. So <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I think that's how. Yeah. So how does that? What does that look like? Like in your day to day life? Like I know that you're, mm-hmm. you know, music minister at your church and things like that. So mm-hmm. how do you feel like you show up? Because it sounds like it's been a part of you since you were a child. Yeah, I think it was. So in my family structure, I would say I was or I tried to be the peacekeeper. Mm. I think that's the role I naturally played. Um, Just like, oh, you know, let's all just get along or, oh, let me tell some jokes. Yeah. So that like we can (laughs) all like let go of this. Yeah. Um, And but then I feel like I also saw my parents model it my really well like my um it's funny because I feel like I always joke about my parents being like the Huxtables or being like <laughs> but they so they're just so good like my parents are the first people to be like oh did we offend you we're so Aww. sorry like they just are quick to like ask for forgiveness and yeah. give forgiveness yeah. um so I feel like that was kind of like and I don't know if they were always that way mm-hmm. or if they're just like that now but like even in, like, I'm married now, and, like, if Cameron and I want to do something a different way than my parents, yeah. and it hurts their feelings, they'll still be like, yeah, but, like, we love and support mm-hmm. you. And, like, so I think that that's kind of just, like, uh, DNA. And then also, um, growing up, we were kicked out of a lot of churches. Or there was just, that's a whole story in itself, but there were a lot of times where my dad felt really, really passionate about God wanting to do something, yeah. and the church just didn't accept him. And so it was either we were either too black or we were too liberal or we were too conservative or um, like my dad preached the sermon on peace after 9-11, but the church wasn't ready for it. And it was a conservative church. So they were wow. like, you and your kids and your like wife can't come back. And peace like, at a church? Mm-hmm. But it was like literally it was okay. a conservative church that literally was the Sunday after 9-11 happened. Okay. And, um, you know, everyone was crying. It was a really passionate sermon and... But even in that, I feel like my, I felt like my dad held it loosely. Um, and it was like something that our whole family built, but yet when they were like, you can't even come back to something you created, mm. he still held it loosely. So I feel like, um, I mean, the sad thing is I still have like trauma from being a PK and like, and broken relationships in the church. Church people are the only people who have ever, I would say have ever created deep woundedness in me, but, just the way that I think I saw him carry it and the way I don't, and then like how they were blessed out of that, I feel like has allowed me to try to carry it the same way. So I guess in my everyday life, I try to hold relationships with value, but still be open. Um, always, I'm always open for reconciliation, yeah. even when it's not fair. Yeah. And even <laughs> sometimes when it's not good for me, because this year I had a really, really rough year with being bullied at, my job and being criticized by church people, being a black woman is really, really difficult. Mm-hmm. Being a pastor, one, because a lot of people don't believe women should be pastors, let alone women of color, especially mm-hmm. in in predominantly white spaces. Yeah. But then I'm also a black curvy woman who sings under light. So like my body is criticized. My voice is criticized. My husband is not a pastor. So it's like, I'm my husband's pastor, which is criticized. Mm-hmm. So like, it's just like, Look, how I, both, by both parties, some black people are like, hi, 
You let your wife, how do you let your, let, I don't get it. Allow. Yes, allow. And it's just so dynamics wise, I'm doing something that, you know, I, to some people is a risk. So you're all, you're constantly open for criticism and critique. And even the, the, the fundamental of like, or the, (laughs) um, even the art of, or like, you're, I'm a performer. I'm not. I'm a worship leader, singer, songwriter, creative, Ooh. musician. But, like, I get on stages yeah. and people are like, great. So now I can respond or critique or react to whatever. Yeah. So it's just kind of like the nature of the job. So every day I have to say, like, I have to receive what people have said or put out. Yeah. And I can either hold on to it or I can yeah. be open to letting it go. Mm-hmm. So I feel like... Every day I have to practice reconciliation where I acknowledge pain and suffering and forgive that thing and then let that go. Yeah. And then seek to to not change my disposition toward those very same people who yeah. could have hurt me. So, like, I'm like, how do I practice every day? Every <laughs> Sunday, for sure. Yeah. But um, I try to do it every day. Yeah. No, that sounds like heavy work. <laughs> like, period. I couldn't. Yep. I want to quit, like, every week, so... <laughs> there's that <laughs> dun, dun, dun. so let's talk about you being a musician singer songwriter so like when did you like start to do you feel like you love music I love music okay so when did that love affair start I think it started when I was super super young mm-hmm. um my dad plays guitar we were a church planning family which basically means that your church is everything. So you're the worship team, you're the ushers, you're the pastors, you're the Sunday school teachers and Sunday school students. Um, And so we always would sing and play. My dad um, also, um, so he plays guitar. So he would always, uh, whenever we had house church, we would sing and play with him. Mm -hmm. Um, And when we were really, really little, he had a kid show. Mm -hmm. um, And it was called the Waldo Rainbow Show. It was this kid. The Waldo Rainbow Show. Why are you that? It it just was great. I mean, we performed in malls. Oh, he nice. had we had a cable special for maybe a couple of months. Yeah, it was a whole yeah. thing. And so me, That's my so sister, cool. in matching overalls. There's a picture I gotta find. Um, we did like a library tour. You know, how, like kids have like shows at the library. Yeah. Um. So hey, Cameron. Hey. Oh, so sorry. <laughs> no, 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 it's okay. <laughs> Um, and so I think it started, it was cultivated then. The okay. first person I fell in love with was definitely Mahalia Jackson. And when I was really little, I used to sing really, really, really low. It's because I thought it was funny. <laughs> um, and then now I'm kind of like more of a, um, it's just funny because now I'm like a tenor in a group, but I just, <laughs> I just used to love like dramatic music. So I, I just, I loved it as a form of expression. And then, um, when I started getting like really, I guess where I was like, I love this for myself. And my parents realized, Oh, maybe she like actually likes this was probably in fourth grade. I wanted to play clarinet and I really wanted to play. So like I would get, I got it, got one for like Christmas and like, I would, that's all I would do. So then they were like, okay, maybe she actually like likes this. Cause instead of playing with other things she's playing her instrument a couple hours a day so I think that's when I was like oh my god I'm obsessed and then um started competing and getting into school because of it so that was like a thing and then 
um, then I also love to sing, but I got bullied in high school around singing. So what? I, yeah, it was, a. Uh, I played this part and it's funny because I sang much like I sing now, okay. like loud and like, but it just wasn't, it was outside of the box. Okay. Um, and expressive and black and, and un, like now it's, um, I guess cultivated and like trained, I guess you could okay. say, but then it wasn't, but yeah. it's, it's the same thing. Like it's, I, it's, it's just the same thing, Yeah. but just uh, probably more pitchy and less, you know, cultivated. Um, and I, I mean, I remember it like it was yesterday I was in class and it was time for me to like do my part, sing my part and, my, I like, I sang like much like I sing today. And my teacher was like, never again in your life should you ever sing like that. I never want you to sing, make sounds like that ever again. Make sounds. Yes. And I, I was just like, oh, you know, I'm so sorry. I'm like crying. I run the classroom crying. She doesn't consult me or anything. And I, I, the crazy thing is I feel like it was like a God moment because I remember thinking like that was so specific and like mean. And I do think that like, you know, for me, like faith and the spirit and nature, everything's like so connected, but like, it's kind of like the the fact that I can remember the day I Mm. became afraid of the dark. I feel like some things are um, principalities and powers that even are against us at a young age Mm -hmm. where I'm just like, that was a specifically dark, evil moment. Mm -hmm. Why was it so dark? Mm -hmm. Um, And why did, but Anyway, that happened and I was just like, oh, I can, I should only sing classically, like this, like what I do is just not accepted. I'm already good at clarinet. I'm already getting into schools. I should just never sing again. So I vowed never to sing again. And so I didn't sing for like three years and singing wasn't even my main thing. It just was like (laughs) a fun thing. So all the way through college until I, um, but I still had a love for music. So I was still like competing on clarinet. I was still like, um. Yeah, like auditioning. I think at that point in college, I was even going to New York to try to take auditions wow. and like compete. Yeah. And, um, but then I found, I found my first black friend. So I think that's where the healing process was. I went to school, made my first black friends ever, which is a whole nother thing. But I think being in, multi, being the only black person in multicultural spaces, you are it. Yeah. So you don't really, I didn't get the black church experience that I'd hoped to get or, that I already get, which is also a grievance, but mm-hmm. now I, now retrospectively I see, cause God was like, I gotta like teach you how to do this now, yeah. cause the rest of your life is gonna be this. Yeah. Um, and we'll just like fill in the blanks later. So even, cause even now with my black friends who sing, like in urban oxology, they, they'll be like, oh, do you know this song? And I'm like, I don't know it at all. Like I have gaps <laughs> in like my black gospel repertoire. <laughs> They'd be like, how do you not know this song? And I'm like, girl, I didn't grow up in black church. Yeah, if it's yeah. not. And then in college, I was listening to Hillsong. Like, yeah. I just, I just am now hip to like, but anyway, so, but in that, in that group, they were all going to gospel choir. So I was like, oh, I'm going to go to gospel choir. And then I got connected with John, who's my friend in MD now. And he was like, oh, you need to sing. So the first time I really sang was in his group. Wow. So that and that kind of like started it but even in that even in that like another teacher was like well it looks like that singing is distracting you from you know 
what you need to be doing here. And so I kind of gave that up and then went to college and I was, I mean, this is a whole long story, but no, it's fine. Um, then, so then I was like, I have to stop putting all my energy into singing and doing this because, um, I really need to focus on classical music and my goals there. And my, my full ride for school was on clarinet, not singing. So I was like, I really got to focus on clarinet. So then I felt, felt a call to go to seminary and I still went on clarinet. So I auditioned on that. I got a scholarship on that. I went. And the reason I went to that specific school, which was in Fort Worth, Texas, which is a whole another thing. Cause it was like, once again, I'm separate. I finally made like black community and then I'm separated again to in the South in an all white traditional Baptist seminary. Mm -hmm. Um, but there was a teacher from France who was playing clarinet there and teaching it. So I was like, oh, if I can study under him, because I was, you know, I've been playing clarinet for, I guess, 20, (laughs) two years, I think. So, um, you know, the next thing after college is you find a professor and you sub in for them. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that was what I was doing and was the plan. Um, but even then I got back into vocal music because I, sold everything to go to this school and this was grad school and I didn't want any school debt. So I was just like, I have to just live. And I was like, I have no idea how I'm going to make ends meet. And I was just outside of the practice rooms once with my clarinet. And this white guy comes up to me and he's just like, Hey, you're black. Do you sing? (laughs) What? (laughs) Which still to this day is random, but even it's funny because now when I look back to that day, I can't remember what his face looked like. Mm. I'm just like, he was just an angel. Yeah. I just, I just think he was, cause I, I was like, even after, so I'm clearly a clarinetist cause I have a clarinet. Yeah. I'm just the only black girl on campus. So he was just like, Hey, you know, or I'm, I think there might have been two black female music majors in all of, oh, wow. you know, um, so he was like, Oh, you're black. Do you sing? And I just was like, yes. And he was like, my church wants to be diverse. They're looking for someone to be an intern. You should go there. This is the name of the church, right? Never see this guy ever again. Never see him at the church. Never see him at all. I don't even remember how I got, I don't know if I Googled the church and called or if they gave me a number, but they paid me $75 every two weeks to lead worship. And it was still time. I think that first year, the whole year I made $5,000 $5,000 for the whole year. So I was wow. still eating at a food bank. Yeah. I still, like, it was still, the struggle was still very real. But I was yeah. like, $35 a week, that's grocery money, so yeah. I'm just going to do it. So then I was like, okay, well, but then it made me fall in love with faith in music again because it was all, like, classical music. I just got to get in and get out. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> you know, by the time I'm 30, I'll make a major orchestra or, like, something like that. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, but that kind of, like, cultivated my love for music again. In, in regards to singing and songwriting. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's, that's the, I think at that, in that season of my life, cause I was also super, super depressed, mm-hmm. but, um, cause I was like extremely away from my family and yeah. had no money and sitting at a food bank for the first time in my life. Yeah. And I think I was 21, cause that was grad school. So, but it cultivated like my love for singing and then songwriting. Yeah. Um, and then I, the first song I ever wrote, I submit, submitted to this internship 
which is the Easton Fellowship Internship, which is the group that I'm in now. So it kind of like connected and that the songs that I wrote are what got me internship, which kind of got me out of Mm -hmm. that season Mm -hmm. to be in the season I am now Mm -hmm. to open up all the doors that I have. So yeah, I think the music, the love for music was cultivated super young, but it was like, I had it. It was like a tiny flame and then like someone snuffed it out and then it was like another flame and then someone snuffed it out and it was another flame. And then I think I just persisted in it Mm. and allowed God to like fan the flames. And then it was like the flame was what was like my saving grace to even get to like where I am. So, yeah. And I think songwriting is a part of that because I don't think that you can. That's a bold statement, but I was going to say, I don't think that you can love music and not also love writing because I think that everyone creates music. Every ad lib is music is writing music. Every poem, every phrase, every, I just think loving music and writing music just go hand in hand. Whether you're like a professional songwriter or you do it all the time is one thing, but I think they work together. So yeah, that's really awesome. Anyway, sorry. When you were thinking about like, when you're you're talking about like writing Mm -hmm. and (laughs) We talk about writing and um and songwriting. When you talk about like ad libbing and stuff like that, it's amazing because we are such a musical people, mm-hmm. right? And you don't even realize it. Mm-hmm. Whether it's you know um, catching rhythm of something or like mm-hmm. you were talking like poetry and things like that. Like mm-hmm. for some poetry, they have like a I guess like a cadence or something they follow sometimes. But usually it's 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 like ingrained in us. I feel mm-hmm. like. I feel like to even appreciate music Mm -hmm. and it's so amazing that so many people like downplay themselves or their skills or like not even skills but like even their creativity like so I think everybody's creative like people are like I'm not creative yes you are like you know if you if you even if you're working in a thing making spreadsheets you creating the spreadsheet or a system that is creative Mm -hmm. like yeah but no I, I think that's really cool no that's the truth and I also believe that um I have this theory that is not tested, but on multiple people. Okay. <laughs> but um, I have this theory that um, suffering bears the fruit of new melodies and lyrics. Mm. And that um, basically suffering has a sound and it's a musical sound that's released. Mm. Um, and I, that I have access to new sounds and rhythms and range because of suffering. So, like, I've noticed that, like, the more internal suffering or relational suffering, I've just noticed that as life has gotten hard, vocally, I've gotten more access to more things or more melodies or more riffs or, um, and I know that it's not, since I spent most of my life as a classically trained clarinetist and, um, most of my life, I, I didn't take voice lessons or I didn't, I didn't, all my musical training, of course, I got formally, but yeah. not singing. Yeah. I know that it's not, they're not things that I created. And then even the fact that I didn't have a black church experience, mm-hmm. I just, I know that it all comes from um, traditions traditions and trauma that's passed down from generations before me. So it's just like, and I'm, yeah, I do think that like, there are things that, um, are released in me that 
just come from experience. And one of my, I mean, I have several examples of this, but I remember when um, Urban Axology had this big show and it was our biggest show we've ever had. And I think it was like, I guess last summer. And I um, was there and the night before, and it was like 6,000 people, which is a big, very big deal for us because we never sing in front of groups like that. But um, I flew there and I always feel, 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 guilt when I fly Why? which is a black woman thing where it's just like you're married and you leave your husband home and the world makes you feel guilty okay, about it gotcha. so I always feel that way uh, maybe it's, I feel it's like a female thing but especially in like traditional black homes mm-hmm. um, women usually stay home and even now people don't understand why I travel so much or why I'm so passionate about this thing mm-hmm. but um, I flew out that day and then we had this rehearsal and we were all excited and then that night, um, Cameron's father passed and I was like, what's happening? And he's here and I'm there and I'm yeah. feeling even more guilty. And like, I need to go home. I need to go home. And of course, Cameron's just like, you already have a plane ticket for like eight hours from now. Just do the show yeah. and come home. And so, you know, I'm thinking about, and then, you know, black family structures. So you're also going through the story of like, his father and his father's like whenever someone passes you relive yeah. like their life yeah. i don't know how to, even if you don't know it i don't even know as much of about his life but then you think about your father's life and you're you know yeah. and so you so i was sitting in that all night and the next day we were singing and i i i lead a song called purge me which is like this rock ballad kind <laughs> of i guess i usually do the shouty songs and I start singing things that I've never sung before. And, um, and you know, I, when you're in a group or when you sing a song, you're like, this is where the runs are. Yeah. This is where, but it was like off the path of a song yeah. that I've sung like 30 times. Yeah. But I know that's because when we're singing, we're not only vibe, our vocal cords aren't vi- only vibrating. I feel like our spirit is, is moving and through time and space. And especially since, God exists through time and space. I think there are also other things that exist in through time and space. Mm-hmm. Like if God's already sitting at the end of time, yeah. in some ways I'm already sitting at the end in time yeah. with him, yeah. but yet I'm here. So it's just like, so who's singing in this moment? Is it yeah. that Kim or is it this? Like, Got it's you. just, it's yeah. a whole, <laughs> I'm, I'm going, you're following me. But, um, so, but it was one of those moments where I'm just like, I'm singing, I'm singing through the songs and experiences and melodies of my mother and her mother and yeah. her mother and her mother and her mother. Yeah. Um, and when all of those people come together, this is the sound yeah. that's released. Wow. And because I'm experiencing something that my mother and her mother and her mother before me experienced, I'm now tapping into that, the sound of what, of what happened. So like, as I get married, I feel like, or at whatever life experience I go through that, connects to other women or people around the world, I feel like I'll have a different sound. Yeah. Same unique sound, but like access in a different way. And, and so I've just experienced that. So I don't know how I got there, but, no, that's fine. <laughs> but I'm like huge. I'm like, <laughs> I do. I think that suffering has a sound. Yeah. It has a musical sound. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. So even, I don't know, like I have this, I don't know. I have this thing, mm. not that I want artists to go through pain because mm-hmm. that sucks, 
But I do a lot of times feel like artists create their best music after they go through something or while mm-hmm. they're in the midst of something. And when you talk about like ancestral things, like you think about our ancestors, mm-hmm. for most black people who are mm-hmm. here <laughs> in America, um, they were slaves. Mm-hmm. Like they got here by way of the Atlantic slave trade. Mm-hmm. And so you would think about um, them singing to one, keep rhythm, but also like mm-hmm. to uplift spirits, to mm-hmm. to communicate. Like mm-hmm. it's just this innate thing. And even when you read scripture, like mm-hmm. the Bible, like songs, like just songs mm-hmm. of lament, songs of like, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I feel like through like being, I guess, pressed or being mm-hmm. uh, like the, the real stuff comes out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so, yeah. yeah, while I'm not like, oh, yeah, no, suffer because mm-hmm. you create great art. or Because I, I feel like some people feel like they can't create art, which is a bad thing. They can't create art until they suffer. You know what I mean? So they mm-hmm. sometimes self-sabotage or, like, mm-hmm. you know, accept things. Artists, period. Like, not just, like, mm-hmm. musicians. So they'll accept things or, like, they'll create a vice or something to keep them in that state. Yep. But I think it's important um, to kind of lean into that suffering. Yep. And not run away from it. Yeah. So. And I think that... That's why um, artists having the ability to sympathize and empathize and have mm-hmm. compassion is huge because I feel like our gifts should be used to express not only our own suffering, but the suffering of others. Yeah. And so it's just like, don't you don't have to create any more vices. You're already broken, yeah. trust me. Yes. Like that's, <laughs> honestly, I be saying that to true. myself. I'm just like, look, you're already yeah. messed up. You don't need to add no other yeah. addictions yeah. or nothing. So you're like, you're good. <laughs> and if you're not good, then the people you lead yeah. on Sunday, they've got so many stories that they want to tell. Yeah. Um, the people in your city have so many stories they want to tell. Yeah. Your family, yeah. you know, has so many stories that they want to tell. So. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. I agree with that. I'm just like, girl, you are broken enough. Yes. <laughs> Don't you add anything good. to that. Um. But one thing I want to, you, you touched on um, your husband mm-hmm. and how, um, I, I don't the know. The light of my life. <laughs> how has that been like navigating, one, marriage, because you said you didn't like plan on being oh, married. <laughs> and then like two, um, what it's like being, I guess just like a black woman in marriage, but also like a black woman mm-hmm. who is an artist who is also married. It is, thank the Lord that Cameron loves me. Um, it's. Being a black female creative is difficult. Being, and then adding marriage to that is difficult. Cause I think, um, already, I think it's always an issue of value and what is valuable enough. Mm-hmm. Um, or are you valuable enough to justify what you're doing? I feel like it's usually how people approach it. So it's just like, you're black. You are not a slave. You have the freedom mm-hmm. to make money and provide resources. Is that really what you should be doing? Mm-hmm. I think it's always a question of like, is art or creativity valuable enough to replace yeah. another role that you as a black woman should be doing? Yeah. Especially in, um, especially you as an educated black woman should be doing. And then especially you in relation to an educated black man. So for me, the hardest thing is you're married to a lawyer. Why are you not just having a whole bunch of kids and staying at home? Mm. You have, are embodying, you are your grandmother's wildest dreams. Why are you 
doing this. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you don't have to do this. Yeah. You could just love him well and stay at home and have kids. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, well, well, why can't I do both of those things well? Like, wh- why can't I love him well and have kids and pursue my I'm pretty sure that's my grandmother's wildest dreams yeah. I'm pretty sure that's real your dreams for me are dreams yeah. but they're insufficient or incomplete dreams mm-hmm. or not insufficient mm, maybe for me they're insufficient I say, for, you, yeah, for, for me sure. they're insufficient they're for me they're incomplete yeah um and also you know my husband because <laughs> uh I think that healthy marriages thrive off of um encouraging each other creatively and in our careers. And so it's just like, no, I just, just no, you don't know me at all. And you definitely don't know my man. So, um, yeah, but like, yeah, but it's, it's really difficult because I think unfortunately as black women, everyone thinks that they can comment on our bodies and our careers and our lives, um, both black and white people and all people. Mm -hmm. So, I think the hardest part for me sometimes is when I get it from white communities and black communities. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, there is the only person who will ever get me is a black woman. Yeah. So that sucks. Yeah. Um, especially since sometimes what's frustrating for me, especially in white spaces is I feel like white women have white men to support them yeah, and absolutely. their thoughts and ideas. And I feel like black women don't always have that yeah. in black men. Yeah. Um, and then if they do, then is secret because those black men can't tell their other black, the other yeah. black men that they feel the same way. Mm-hmm. That's look, that's, <laughs> I was going to say, Oh, should I clean that up? Or no, I that's the truth. But yeah. And I don't, I'm, you know, I'm not. Yeah. I think the hardest thing for me has been when black men who I know love and support me just don't get it. Yeah. And I'm just like, dang, you're the only, you're the only one who could get it because even sometimes other black, there aren't very black women doing what I'm doing, especially in, I mean, I know, I feel like the only black women who are doing what I'm doing, I actually know. Mm -hmm. Like, um, and yeah. And there are just a few, especially when it, especially when it comes to faith based music work, um, who have the ideals that I have. Cause like, for example, there are like phenomenal leaders like CeCe Wines or Tasha Cobbs or, um, and I don't know them, but I'm trying to think of other people. Like other people I know, like Casey J or, um, Aaron Rose or, um, but I'm starting to know more people. Yeah. Um, but like they get it, right? Um, but then every because they're in, they're literally in it. They're having right. to choose: Do I stay home? Like Cece? Do I? I mean, I don't know her. I'm calling her <laughs> Cece, girl. Um, first name, <laughs> first name, <laughs> King of Glory. Okay. Um, but they, she, I'm sure she had to choose. I think someone told me about an interview that she did, and she said that the wisest thing that someone told her, or the wisest thing that she told someone, it was something like this. And it was like, you're going to have to be comfortable with someone else helping you raise your children. Mm. And it's like, how do you, as a black woman, I used to not have the option to raise my children because I birthed them 
and then they were became property yeah. to someone else. Yeah. So now that I have the option to raise my children, yeah. I'm choosing not to raise them. Yeah. That's heresy. That's <laughs> blasphemous. You are, this is just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, or the village raises my child yeah. in addition to me yep. and I have way more options than I actually Which do and was. I shouldn't feel shame. Yeah. And it's just like, but no one would ever say that to, um, Carrie Job or, for sure, no. you know, <laughs> you know, or maybe they would, but not in the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wouldn't carry the same weight of generational shame, exactly. I think as for me. So I think that, yeah, that, that's, that's difficult. Um, and so, the hard thing is because there are very few women, mm-hmm. most of the people who do what I do and have to leave home or um, are torn between being evangelical with their um, not being an evangelical, but being <laughs> evangelical. There's a difference. <laughs> being like a prophet or evangelical with the way they use creative arts. Mm-hmm. Those people most of the people are men and then they don't understand me at all yeah. because they're like, they can't, <laughs> they're like, Oh yeah, I'm having babies. I'm like, well, I'm kind of trying to time pregnancy. And they're like, why are you doing that? Because your wife's at home with exactly. your babies and I am here. Should I pump and mail it? I mean, like what? I mean, is that, it's not the same. It's I don't not even know the same. That's weird. I, I just, what? I mean, um, and they're like, oh yeah, you know, I get it the same. I, and you know, and it's, and I don't, I guess the hard, the thing that's been hard for me lately is being like, I'm not going to harbor like anger or resentment or even frustration because I know that you just don't get it. Yeah. And yeah. that's okay. Yeah. I also don't get what it means yeah. to be a black man or a white man. Exactly. Or, well, I, I just, that. I don't get any of that. <laughs> I don't, I, I can't, I yeah. don't understand it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very, very challenging. And so that's why I think uh, Cameron and I having a talking a lot, communicating a lot and having as best of understanding as possible, yeah. as much grace as possible with each other yeah. is the key. Like you got to marry the right. If you're creative, you got to marry the right person mm-hmm. anyway. Mm-hmm. And then if you're a woman <laughs> yeah. and a creative, you got to mar- marry the right person anyway. And yeah. then if you're black yeah. and a woman and a creative, you got to really They're think layers. wisely. <laughs> you just got to. Cause it's just, they already have to carry, help you carry so many other things. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. So. No, that's good. Uh, okay. So one of your, one of your shirts says, mm-hmm. or I mean, it seems to be like a slogan yes. is like, so can you say what the slogan is and what it means? Fearless and free. Yes. So what does it mean to be fearless? What does it mean to be free? And is it something you're actually aspiring to be as yes. opposed to like, I yeah. put it on a shirt because I struggle with it. Yeah. Um, I actually have three sayings. Okay. One is fearless and free. The other one is called and anointed. Mm. And then the third one is, <gasps> I'm going to have to figure out what that last one. <laughs> that one, I, it, that one's not yet. Called okay. and anointed it will be the next one okay. that I go after. But I have three. <laughs> and then I have this one slogan that says, I am she, she is me, and we are his. Yeah. Um, just cause I'm like, it's just the, the fact that I literally stand on the shoulders of every woman before me is huge to me. And especially lately, 
And it's like, I just wouldn't have. So I have to build. I have to build because they spent so much time building. I got to build so that my God baby, Jocelyn, (laughs) can stand on my shoulders and build. Um, Building is not an option. Um, But to be fearless and free, I think, means to... I think I put it on a shirt because I really wanted to do it. I think the journey to freedom is a very long one. It didn't stop. Like, Herod Demon started it, but we still want to try it. Um, <laughs> um, I think, um, I mean, really, Jesus started it, yeah. and we're still on it, on the journey um, to be free. Yeah. And um, it was... Freedom was a gift we were given in the garden, but we didn't realize its value. Yeah. So we traded it for chains. And then ever since we've been trying to get back to freedom and transparency, I think to be free is to stand fully in who you are, mm-hmm. um, to be constrained or tethered to nothing but God. Mm-hmm. Um, I think freedom... Is expression. I think freedom is air. I don't know how else to say it. I think freedom is. <laughs> so I say freedom is a choice. <laughs> um, I think to live emotionally and intellectually free is a choice. Yeah. Freedom in itself is not a choice because we've been enslaved. We enslaved okay. people. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think I think there is a point though in your life that you have to choose to stay bound or to be free. For sure. And I think that that's when I say fearless and free, I'm saying I'm making a choice to no longer fear because I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. And then to be free, I'm choosing freedom. Even if you are, were to try to tether me Mm. or to chain me, I am free. And I remember, um, they give the, the, I've heard this, the elephant analogy so many times where it's just like, in order to train an elephant for the circus, okay. you actually when they're uh, when they're tiny, yeah. you chain them to that pole of the tent, okay. mm-hmm. um, and so they're chained to it, and so they can only go in a certain radius. Yeah. And you keep them on that chain for I think a year, and you just train them, and so for the rest of their life they'll never go outside of That's that crazy. because it, and you no longer chain them; they're no longer chained. And I'm just like, yeah, I am no longer chained, yeah. but. In my mind, I'm a baby elephant. Yeah. So like, or even for me, I'm no longer seven years old, the yeah. seven year old who was heartbroken because they kicked her family out of the place that yeah. she loved and she spent all of her time building. Yeah. Like, I'm no longer that seven year old. I'm older. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like older, <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm not, I'm just not her anymore. I have, yeah. I have power, I have agency that I can use. Um, and, now that I have that, I'm not going to use that to enslave other people or to chain other people. I'm going to use that to liberate as many people and tell as many people as I can that they have access to freedom and they have the ability to, to be fearless and, and being fearless is operating, um, in spite of fear, um, operating as if you had no fear. Um, and yeah, so I, I, my whole life, I want to spend the rest of my life living fearless and free. And I think the next step to that is, so like once you understand that you're free and that you're fearless, you can also receive the fact that you are 
called and anointed. Like I'm called to make a difference in this life. I wasn't just an accident. And then I'm not only called to do it, but I'm anointed. I'm given like special power, special grace (laughs) to actually execute the things that I'm called to do. So, and then the last one, I don't can't remember it, but obviously I am in my evolution of freedom. I am just not there. Yeah. No. Um, so guys is like, yeah, don't even, I'm not even, don't even, you can't even. (laughs) Oh, so what are some misconceptions you might've had or other people Mm -hmm. have about freedom? I think, um, the biggest misconception is that freedom is free. Mm. I think freedom was free. I mean, going back to the garden, cause to me, like everything yeah. goes back to, but, uh, freedom was free, but now it comes at a cost. Yeah. And, uh, I always, um, I'm an interesting kind of worship leader where like, I'm very intense. I'm realizing I'm pretty intense mm-hmm. with my team because like sometimes I will, I'm really intentional intentional about representation on my team as we're trying to lean into what it means to be a multicultural church. We are, we have not yet arrived, but, um, I, when people get to the mic and they sing, I like really timid. I'm just like, I'm, I will be like too much was paid for the freedom that you have. You have to use it too, too much was paid. And they're like, well, what is that? And I'm just like, your, your mom, her mom, or your dad, his dad, and his dad and his dad and his dad and Jesus all gave their lives, their time, their energy. Um, wo- they, they opened themselves up to woundedness yeah. so that you could have this moment. Wow. You have to do something with it. It's yeah. just, it just, you have to do something with it. There is no, there is no option. And like, <laughs> um, and I, so I'm a little, that's what I said. I'm a little no, like it's it. okay. But, um, freedom is not free. Yeah. Somebody paid for it. Yeah. Um, and then you're going to pay for someone else's freedom, um, that they probably won't pay for. Um, but you paid for it. Like freedom comes at a cost. Yeah. And that's actually perfect. um, Because it to my next question. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like what has freedom cost you? I feel like freedom's cost me everything. Mm. I feel like it's constantly costing me money and uh, by money, (laughs) money. (laughs) Um, it's, well, I feel like it's, I say that to say, Freedom has cost me everything. It really has. My plan was to be a classical clarinetist and I worked really, really hard for, you know, I started playing when I was seven. So it was like, that was the dream until I was probably 22. And then God was just like, oh, you're going to serve in the church. Like, that's what we're doing. That's what we, all of this has been (laughs) to prepare you for this. And so I feel like at that moment, um, and you're going to get married, um, which some people might would have been like, great, ministry and marriage. <laughs> but for me, where I was, I was just like, I don't know if I'm ready for marriage. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I've been working on for most of my life. Yeah. Um, this just doesn't make sense. Yeah. And so I feel like it, it, in that moment, it cost me, in my mind, everything because I had to restructure. And then, I mean, I just have pivotal moments of like heartbreak. Um, but then also success. So I guess, uh, another one, I'm really, really close to my grandmother. I cry about her all the time. I miss her deeply right now. She passed away. It's probably been like four years, but it feels like it was like last year. My, I do the whole pink hair thing because of my grandmother. Um, she was a beautician. My grandfather told her not to work. And she was like, I am working. God Mm -hmm. has given me a gift. I want to work. Um, so I feel like I get some of that from her. 
Um, and I remember she was, and I, this is like still a hard thing for me, but she was, it was like her last week alive and I could either have gone to the hospital or I could lead worship on Sunday. And I stayed and I led worship. And I remember thinking, I regret, like every day, I was like, I regret it, I regret it, I regret it. I miss like her last conscious moment, like, um, because I was serving the church and I'm like, God, you know, yeah. I'm so angry because I've given everything or like, um, or for me, like waiting to have kids so that I could help build ministries and like yeah. build up, you know, 18 year olds, you know, or high schoolers who, you know, then would be built up and then sent out to do other great things. I'm just like, it's cost me so much in my personal life. Um, But then I also remember my mom being like, I remember the day I was like, should I just come? Should I just like not, you know, lead? And I felt like um, she was like, no, like you need to do what God has called you to do. That's what we, that's what we lived so that you would have the freedom to do what God has called you to do. So like, that is where you belong. But like, I, I mean, and those, that's just like one or two things, but I can, there's so many times I'm just like personal cost. Yeah. If I were to keep track, I feel like it just would be an, an endless list of yeah. personal, you know, and sometimes you do choose self and you do choose family, For but sure. they're just, I just, there's a list. There's yeah. a long, 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 long list, yeah. but God is like, okay, that's your list is extensive, but have you gone so far as to give your whole life? No. Mm -hmm. So you're still good. Like (laughs) I still haven't literally given my whole life, my living, breathing life for the gospel. So, so I still got room on my list. Um, (laughs) And God always um, replenishes tenfold. So I even think about how the job that I have now, um, I was working part-time at a church at first and we were living in a townhouse and uh, Maryland, that was the, our first house. And then God was like, you're going to DC. Mm-hmm. And I just was like, I can't give up. This is like, we worked so, we had worked so hard to get that house. Yeah. We went so low budget at our wedding. We just, we yeah. saved just to have that. And then now this house is like four times as yeah. nice. Like actually it's like 10 times. <laughs> and you know, it costs us. We, and we sold everything in the house. So we couldn't bring anything with us. Yeah. We, you know, we lived in tiny apartments for three years. Mm. Um, and then God was like, okay, literally tenfold. Yeah. Whatever you gave up, I'm giving you tenfold back. Yeah. Um, and not even because he had to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just feel like, yeah, just the, the, if you focus on what you're giving up, the list is just too long. Yeah. But if you focus on what you're gaining, the list is, also just too long absolutely absolutely so you mentioned something about like um giving of yourself and you are a giver so like but how do you maintain maintain like self like love and like self Um, care in these kinds of things i suck at it okay um i it's a really big area (laughs) of weakness yeah and what i'm hoping is that i don't have to keep getting to burnout in order to stop and replenish yeah um, for me, I have to be away. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I can't even be in the same city that I serve in order to be replenished. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't work. Yeah. Um, Sabbath is super, 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 super important. You have to uphold the Sabbath. You have to rest more than you work. Um, actually, yeah, you have to rest more than you work. And yeah. some people say you work six days and rest one. No, I feel like you have to rest. I think 
if you're going to be a creative, like a high quality, refined, top shelf creative, you have to rest. 70% of your life needs to be resting and 30% needs to be creating. Um, The issue is like, you're nervous because it's just like, oh, how am I going to? So 30% of my life, I have to make money to take care of 100% of my life. And I, I think that that's where I'm, where I'm struggling. I'm just like, well, how do I, how do I do that? But your voice will give out, your mind will give out, your body will give out Mm -hmm. if you don't let it rest. Um, so, I mean, there is no, there is no other option. And the older you get, the harder it will get. So now I'm 32 and I just don't have as much energy as I had in my twenties. But I was talking to somebody, another wise woman who, I mean, they're like, unicorns they're mm-hmm. like fairy godmothers that fall from the sky once a year because mm-hmm. it is rare to find black women black female creatives who are thriving mm-hmm. i mean i don't know mm-hmm. i mean i i would claim that i'm thriving i would claim yeah. that in the name of jesus mm-hmm. but i mean it's just difficult and then if you find them they're on their way to to doing something to crush it to like killing the game you yeah. know what i mean so it's, it's just really difficult yeah um, because it's, you know, one of them said, don't bring yourself out in your twenties because the, your opportunities in your thirties will surpass your opportunities in your twenties mm-hmm. and your opportunities in your forties will surpass your opportunities in your thirties yeah. and so on and so on. But the world would have you think that because you're a black woman, you're black and you're a woman mm-hmm. that your value decreases over time, but it doesn't yes. It actually increases over time yeah. and don't kill yourself in your twenties or your third because like that same thing that you did in your 20s, you will make 10 times 10 times fold Mm. financially and influence that in your 30s and 40s than you ever would doing the Mm -hmm. same exact thing. So Mm -hmm. like, don't let them fool you. Like, you know, make sure you, you know, don't get in crazy debt. Make sure, you know, make sure you do the right things, but like, and be diligent and work hard. Mm -hmm. But like, yeah. Please don't kill yourself because then when you get that big deal or when you get that big opportunity or when God creates a platform to you for you to influence 20 times as many people as you were, you got to have something in the yeah. tank to actually pour yeah. out. And um, so that I just was like, nugget, keeping that mm-hmm. forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, um, it kind of relieves a lot of pressure, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, because because like you were saying, mm-hmm. like people tell you like, oh, you know, that if you haven't made it by 25, then you're not going to make it. Yep. Right. And it's just like, well, dang, like that means I got to give everything. Like if I'm not good enough now, you know, and I'm 29 and I'm mm-hmm. like, I think I'm about to turn 30. Like, mm-hmm. am I, am I going to not be talented anymore just yep. because I age another year? It's silly mm-hmm. to think, but like, mm-hmm. especially like mainstream, mm-hmm. um, record labels, that kind of thing, like that mainstream thing. Like, Cause I told somebody recently that it's very mm-hmm. sexist because men can, Get in the game yep. whenever. Like, yep. it's fine. If they're 45, they can start singing. and then They can have... change their name to 2 Chains yes. and then just, like, reinvent themselves. <laughs> yes. Which, I mean, be blessed, 2 Chains. Listen. Look, look, you live do. your best life. I also want to live my best life. I would say it should be the same standard for women. Like, somehow, especially black women, we lose. We're, like, we're less seen the older we get. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we're valued in our own communities. But, like, And even world, still, only in certain areas. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's good. I like what you said. I'm going to tuck that in for myself, too. But um, as we come, I guess, like closing this interview, mm-hmm. is there any advice that you would give 
women or yourself, I usually say like, what would you tell yourself 10 years ago? Because I feel like that's easier than just like general advice. Mm -hmm. But like, what would you, what advice would you give yourself 10 years ago? I would say slow down. Mm -hmm. I would say take it all in. And then I would also say, you know what you want and what you're created to do. Don't let anyone add anything or subtract Mm -hmm. anything from that list. That's good. That's really good. Thank you. So do you have anything also that you want to like promote or? Sure. Yes. I was going to say the last thing I would say oh, yeah, would be like Beyonce forever. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> She's still a queen 10 years Yo, later. No, that's I don't mean that's, I don't know. That was random. But <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> I'm like, what was I doing at 23? Oh, I wasn't even listening to secular music. I was just like, I got to be holy. <laughs> that's so funny. Um, Oh, promoting. So look me up. I am Kimberly W on Instagram. Yes. Um, I just love things. I'm going to be starting a YouTube channel, which will be great. Just a window into my whole black female leader Christian Mm -hmm. life. Yeah, I'm going to be dropping a single soon. So check out. I'm working on my EP. So 2020 is the year. Um. Yeah, it's going to be called From the Garden to the City. Mm. I'm really, really excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, check me out, check me out. <laughs> check me out. Yes. Yay. So if you had to fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. So I am the blank black woman. So you can use any adjective, any phrase. It doesn't have to be like one word. Like what would you use to describe yourself in this moment? Because I feel like we're always changing. So. I think I would, I would say I am a valuable black woman. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I would say. I think that's. That's, that's powerful. That's. <laughs> I have value. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. That, that is <laughs> okay. That's fine. It's fine. It's fine. No. I'll just cry in my closet. It's good. It's okay. Yeah. Crying is healthy. It's, it's so healthy. Yes. I cry almost every day. But I just be crying and then I just be so dehydrated. <laughs> and I'm just like, whew, okay, all right. Can I get some water, please? <laughs> I'm not dehydrated. <laughs> oh my God. No, it's good. It's good. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's therapeutic. Yeah. It's good. I love you. Thank you so much for coming. Yay, it's <laughs> Yes. So thank you so much. Yeah.